Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Are you a wild wanderer? Frequently misunderstood? Introverted and proud? Tired of being limited to or being defined by your sexuality? You may have a friend in Artemis. Fiercely independent is the phrase that appears commonly in reference to the Greek goddess Artemis. She's known as the Roman goddess Diana or Diana. Sometimes she's called Phoebe, the female counterpart to her brother Apollo's solar epithet of Phoebus. And she's also called Cynthia after the birthplace on Mount Cyntha on the Isle of Delos. Artemis is the maiden goddess of the hunt and the moon. She's untamed and more comfortable around nature and beasts than other humans, especially men. She seems equally to avoid and punish most men except for her brother, the sun god Apollo. She is a ruthless defender of her own bodily autonomy and the bodies of her nymphs and attendants. Some experts believe that she may predate Greek mythology and that she and some of her characteristics may have been assimilated into the Greek legends. It's certainly possible, and we know it wasn't uncommon throughout history for existing deities to be absorbed by emerging cultures, thus changing their myths and characteristics, confusing the history in many places. I'm definitely not a mythology scholar, so I haven't been able to dig up any specific information on earlier appearances of Artemis, but I believe it's considered likely that she was a great goddess or great mother figure before being somewhat diminished into the more specific role as a maiden and huntress that we commonly see. Some believe it's likely that she's one of the most ancient of the Greek goddesses and that she inhabits a primordial realm of human awareness. I think it's important to be aware of these aspects of a god's history. Sometimes followers of certain deities experience them in ways that may appear to contradict conventional understandings of their characteristics, and they may doubt themselves or the validity of their own gnosis. Our own human ego, our desire to label and categorize every damn thing, has caused us to try to place the gods into these little boxes and charts that are just too small for their expansive energies. Our limited perspective causes us to shrink them to something that we can more easily conceive of, but that doesn't mean that they aren't more, that they haven't been absolutely everything at some point or another. Your personal experience with a deity is valid whether or not it aligns with what we think we know or what appears in ancient literature. Now, whatever her earliest history, in Greek myth, she's the daughter of Zeus and Leto, and the twin sister of Apollo. One of her most famous myths is that she assisted her mother in the delivery of her very own twin, thus her long association with childbirth and protection of pregnant people. Note that she was considered as likely to bring disease as to relieve it in women. It's an interesting duality and balance that she strikes. At a young age, her father, Zeus, sat her on his lap and asked her what gifts she would like. So this is an excerpt from Callimachus, 
him to Artemis. And she says, Pray, give me eternal virginity, as many names as my brother Apollo, a bow and arrow like his, the office of bringing light, a saffron hunting tunic with a red hem reaching to my knees, sixty young ocean nymphs, all of the same age as my maids of honor, twenty river nymphs from Amnissus and Crete, to take care of my buskins and feed my hounds when I'm not out shooting. All the mountains in the world, and lastly, any city you care to choose for me, but one will be enough, because I intend to live on mountains most of the time. So I noticed that this is the last, and maybe the only time, that her myths refer to her asking anyone for anything, least of all permission or approval. She's athletic, she's strong and active, and so apparently the request for a knee-length tunic was to allow her the freedom to easily roam the mountains and hunt. In fact, Artemis was worshipped as the goddess of forests and hills throughout ancient Greece. Now, she had very active cults on the island of Delos, which is revered as her birthplace, in Attica, near Piraeus, and in Sparta. Art and depictions of her were often set in a forest with bow and arrows and a deer. And she's considered both a huntress and protectress of animals. Again, that duality and balance. She gives and she takes. Artemis is a powerful ally for feminists and women's rights activists. She's also a devoted protectress of young girls. I count at least four myths revolving around the theme of men attempting to look upon, rape, or capture Artemis, or her young attendants, resulting in merciless punishments from her. Possibly the most well-known example is Actaeon, who may be a centaur. He sees her bathing naked, some accounts say that he attempted to rape her, and for this he is transformed into a stag and then hunted down and presumably devoured by dogs. You hear that, rapist? She's not fucking around. An important aspect of Artemis' persona and worship was her fierce protection of her virginity. Some historians believe that the idea of Artemis as a virgin goddess is connected to her role as a huntress. Apparently, ancient hunters would not have sex before a hunt. It was seen as a way of demonstrating purity, and they may have believed that the scent could alert prey. On the other hand, there are strong arguments, although they're better made by linguists, that our modern understanding of virginity is as someone who has not had sex, is not aligned with the ancient understanding. They argue that when we see the word virgin in ancient texts, it is actually being used as an ill-fitting descriptor for the ancient concept of a woman who retains ownership of herself and her property and land. A woman could maintain this status by not marrying, thus not being owned by a man. It's easy to see how our relatively modern cultural worship of sexual purity would become confused with this idea that is essentially about being unmarried. Artemis' commitment to virginity may be more related to her independence and personal sovereignty, not a form of asexuality, although she is a powerful ally for all LGBTQIA people. It frames Artemis as her own master, and an equal to male gods. Now, later Greek writers did present Artemis as an asexual opposite to Aphrodite. And once again, I say, what a boringly convenient way to categorize and define two goddesses solely 
by their sexuality. I'm rolling my eyes so hard. But let's talk about the beauty of a woman on her own. She mainly lived alone, except for the companionship of animals and her woodland nymphs. She roamed the woods, the hills, the mountains. She did whatever pleased her. Have you ever had the pleasure of living on your own? No partner, no roommates, children, or parents? I get that it's a great privilege in these times, but I highly recommend it at least once in your life, if you can swing it. On the other hand, do you find yourself doing everything you can to fill your time with work, family, and functions? Are you hating pandemic isolation? Look to Artemis for guidance and inspiration in relaxing into being alone. Ask her to help you feel into this experience and learn about yourself and learn what you enjoy and prioritize. I consider Artemis to be a kindred goddess to introverts and those with unconventional lifestyles, a champion for unapologetically independent or wild women. Artemis is unapologetically herself. She maintains complete sovereignty of herself and her life path. Do you want to create a shrine to honor Artemis or leave offerings for her? Is there a remote or wildish spot around your home or where you visit regularly that you could leave offerings and connect with her? Or if you're creating an indoor shrine, consider using the following list for symbols, sacred items, images, and offerings in her sacred space. So any images or items representing the moon, water, deer, hunting dogs, bears, wolves, bees, lions, horses, hawks, boars, a bow and arrow, um, plants and trees sacred to her would be cedar, cypress, palm tree, mugwort, and wormwood. You see the numbers three, six, or nine coming up for her, and crystals like moonstone or amethyst. Suggestions for connecting with her energy. What about creating a shrine or altar devoted to the wild element of nature? You could leave offerings that you found on your walks among the trees. Or spend time with animals. Commit to time in nature on a regular basis. And when you're in nature, consider talking to Artemis, telling her about the beauty that you see. Talk to her about how you feel when you are alone in nature. Ask her to help you feel a stronger connection to her wild realms and your own wild nature. You could volunteer at a wildlife preserve or a rescue center. You could honor her independence by learning a method of self-defense or donate time and money to causes for sexual assault survivors. Artemis is known for asking for what she wants, and then her focus and skill ensure that she hits every target. You could call on her energy to set some specific goals for yourself and strategize for reaching them. Maybe it's asking for a raise, going for that promotion, or a completely different job. Maybe it's a personal goal. She's not shy or apologetic about what she wants. Now today I'm beginning a new segment called Epithets for Modern Goddesses. 
An epithet is a descriptive term or phrase that accompanies or is used in place of a name. It would describe the qualities of a character or goddess. Epithets of goddesses sometimes refer to the practical role that they played for their followers of the time. For example, Artemis was known as the finder of horses and the protectress of women in childbed. Sotiera, a title meaning the saving goddess, is also an epithet for Hecate. And Artemis has many, many more epithets. I really like thinking about these titles and imagining how early followers looked to these goddesses for help in their lives. I think it gives some really interesting insight into what was on their minds, maybe even the prayers that they whispered. But the practical role of goddesses in our lives in 2020 have changed somewhat. In that interest, I've taken the liberty of compiling the epithets that I think are really valuable to modern goddess followers, and I've even added a few of my own. So consider this a portrait of the goddess Artemis in a modern setting. Goddess of Wild Women Defender and Protectress of Sexual Assault Survivors Hand of Justice of Rapists and Abusers Lady of the Misunderstood Protectress of Children and Adolescents Champion of Those Seeking Independence from Patriarchy Kindred Goddess of Introverts Ancient Wandering Wild Woman And She Who Will Help You Focus and Hit Every Target Now, if you'd like to do some journaling and self-exploration around her and her themes, here are some prompts. Do any of Artemis' themes make me feel uncomfortable or avoidant? Which ones and why? Am I ruling my life and my path? Where have I been giving my power over to others? In what ways am I in touch with my own wild nature? Where am I denying my wild nature? Have I been asking for what I want and deserve? What is my relationship with independence? Is it balanced? In what ways have I defended my body and myself? Do I need to forgive myself for times when I couldn't defend myself? So consider these prompts as starting points for digging into her energy and anything that might need healing or attention. If you like this show, please subscribe and share this podcast with fellow witches and magical people. You can follow the show at Witch and Goddess Pod at Instagram, and you can find my programs, classes, and groups at blackbirdmagic.com. That's blackbirdmagic, magic with a K, dot com. Or email me at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com. How does she show up for you? How do you experience her? How are you called to her? You can leave voice messages with your experiences of the goddesses I have covered, or general questions and comments about the intersection of goddess work and witchcraft. It's easy to record a voice message for me by going to the Witch and Goddess page on anchor.fm. You'll see a little plus sign icon with the word message. Let me know at the beginning if you'd like me to include the message in an episode. Then just click that baby and talk to me. Sources for today's episode 
are The Goddess Guide by Priestess Brandy Osset, The New Book of Goddesses and Heroines by Patricia Monahan, and A Goddess is a Girl's Best Friend by Laurie Sue Brockway.